Professionally Speaking Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Professionally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan J. Warner, the director and executive coach. And with me today is a super special guest. He is a founder and CEO. He's an entrepreneur. Before that, he has an interesting, interesting story as, as from his transition from employee all the way to, to founder. We have Jay Yang. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm so, so excited to be here. Yeah, Jay, you know, we, I was really pumped when, when you said yes, because you're, you're one of the, one of the guests we've been looking forward to having on. Our listeners are just, you know, dying to hear about the journey and what it's like seeing on both sides of the fence. Cause you know, usually they're one or the other. It's rare that we have someone who's, you know, dipped a foot into both. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I've started out as engineering track and now I'm in, you know, management track and it's been a journey. Absolutely. We're looking forward to hearing more about it. Uh, so let's kick it off here. Tell us right now, I know Tassin has a bunch of things on the go, but what's top of mind? What are you, what are you working on now? What's your day-to-day like? Yeah. So we're, um, we're working on launching the product. So that's in a month by end, well, end of the month. So it's less than a month. My day-to-day is extremely busy. Um, so I wake up at, you know, 10, uh, go through all the U.S. team stuff. And then I go home at five, uh, take a quick, uh, you know, uh, dinner break. And then at six, I meet with the Japanese team. And then I, I do that until 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And then I go to sleep and do it all over again. I think the day-to-day has become, you know, much more of an engineering role where I'm pushing code to now a more of a facilitator where like I try to like find out what, what's blocking people, what people are not sure about. And just making sure that they know what to focus on and, you know, uh, help wherever I can. So that's just been my, my role as of late. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I cannot wait to hear. Oh, I can't wait to dissect that and hear kind of a little bit more about what that's like for you and, and changing from, you know, engineer to facilitator, as you put it. Uh, But before we get there, you mentioned uh, you're working on the, this product. Is there anything you can tell us about uh, anything our listeners know about the the product that's on, uh, on route? Yeah, absolutely. So in short, what we're trying to do is build a crypto assets exchange that, you know, no one can steal, steal from. So, you know, the big problem has been that many of the crypto assets exchange uh, will have what's called a rug pull, where the operator of exchange will just run away with your money, and you know investors and traders are left in the dark about what's happened. And this day and age, there is a technology to prevent that. So what we're trying to build is a system where the exchange itself can't uh, custody your funds or do anything nefarious with it. I think it's going to uh, create a lot more open and transparent system where the exchange can just focus on, you know, being the best exchange possible. And then traders and investors can have, you know, finally, like, you know, peace of mind that their money is not going to be stolen or be done something with it. So that's what we're building at Tassin. Also, we're building a Tassin exchange and then we're building a, you know, a network of settlement that's open source that supports that. Yeah, thank you for that that summary. I, I, it's amazing how you you simplified it so well. But because I've, I I you know we've had a relationship with Tassin for a few years now, I can tell you that there's so much that went into that. Like there's there's so much work to make it, as you said, you know, protected from anything nefarious and uh, yeah. le- legally compliant, and all of these yep. other you know uh, criteria that need to be checked off to to get there. 
Yeah, I mean, just imagine all the blood, sweat, and toil that went into iPhone, right? <laughs> and no one, no one, you know, really thinks twice about it. But there's a there's a magic in there that's a combination of electrical engineering and software. So that's you know, we're trying to do that with software and crypto. Yeah, I know that's excellent. And was that always the plan? Like when you started Tassin, is this what you wanted to to do, or was it? Have you pivoted? Have things kind of evolved? Oh. Jeez. Um, so ever since I had a paycheck, and that was 2006, many years ago, and I was working in defense sector, um, I've always traded stocks and things like that, um, stocks, options, and futures. And, you know, that's what young, you know, uh, people do. <laughs> they gamble their money. Yeah. And uh, ever since that, I've learned to kind of appreciate what exchanges uh, are and like, what, what, which exchange would I want to trade in, right? Like I want, I want more security, but I also want, you know, custody my own funds. I also want more privacy and so on and so forth, right? So that's always been in the back of my mind uh, throughout like just my post-college career. But it only became a, an actual thing very recently when I was actually on a flight back from a friend's wedding in Italy. And, um, and I was thinking, you know what? I did trade awful lot of money and I've sent awful lot of money to these guys. What exchange would I want to trade it? <laughs> because I always had one thing that I was not happy with. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a little, you know, note. I mean, I, you know, I gesture with my hand for listeners, but I actually typed it in <laughs> with my laptop, <laughs> uh, sort of like a characteristics of what I wanted. And that became a germ of, uh, the, the company. Um, and four years since then, it's been a journey. It sounds, I sounds like it. And I, Definitely uh, can envision it, but for our listeners out there who aren't quite sure of, uh, let's say the the benefits and downfalls, just briefly, mm-hmm. um, the one one type of exchange is uh, more secure, but it's slower. And yeah, is that what is that the trade off? The other ones, yeah, less yeah that that's generally the trade off. So in in the in the crypto world, you know, cryptocurrency is all about privacy and self-sovereignty, which is basically like you owning your own assets and no one can block you from sending money. And that's like a Bitcoin ethos, as, as, as they would say. Uh, but then in order to get that you know, philosophy and transplant it into you know, where there's a lot of trade, that becomes difficult because now the trade uh, requires a lot of flexibility and being able to send you know, quickly to counterparties and all that stuff. But there is a technology called DEXs or decentralized exchanges that uh, is built on top of these blockchains that allows for uh, self-ownership of funds without having to go through a middleman. But, but, that's a big, um, big uh, but, because of the, the nature of the blockchain that it operates on, it is very slow. And you can think of blockchains like a big funnel. Uh, where lots of uh, transactions are submitted by individuals like myself or you. Mm-hmm. And then the blockchains, essentially what they do is go through a funneling process where they take million transactions and put puts it into a chunk and then lines it up in a neat orderly fashion. And in order to do that, it takes time. <laughs> and uh, okay. it, it can take um, from 11 seconds to you know transact the, a, a transaction on Ethereum network to 10 minutes on Bitcoin network. So imagine like having to do that for a trade where the trader's expectations in the traditional world is microseconds. So it's it's a very wide gap in that expectation to reality. And so the decks are great if you're trying to like maintain complete 
um, control over your money and uh, have total control. But the downside is it's slow. And then centralized exchange, it's just like Charles Schwab. You send them money and they have control of your money. So what we're trying to do is bridge that gap and say, okay, there's a part where it makes sense for centralization, like uh, what's called the order book when some mm-hmm. people are submitting orders and processing them. Mm-hmm. But then there is a part where it makes sense to be decentralized where I shouldn't have to deposit any money into Charles Schwab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like, well, blockchain, uh, it's available now. So that's what that's what I tried to do with the company to bring those two uh, into a good some of the some of the parts is greater than the whole kind of situation where we're going to have high speed exchange but self custody best of both worlds right yeah exactly yeah and you know for our listeners out there who think oh you know what's the big deal waiting 10 15 20 minutes to process a trade right well you know a lot a lot of price fluctuation a lot of things can happen in those 10 15 20 minutes right that's right and you know people have better things to do <laughs> than waiting 10 minutes to see that's come my, on come through at the right price that I got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my take on it. Yeah. All right. So yeah, Jay. So let's turn back the clock a little bit. I'm I'm assuming because of your your history and your journey. I hate using that word journey, but it is fitting here. Uh that you <laughs> didn't start out thinking like, you know, when you were in college, okay, I'm gonna work for a couple companies and then I'm gonna start my own. Right. There's something that happened, right? So why don't you tell us, take it from the top here. What what was your first experience like as an employee? Absolutely. So I am a product of 90s and 2000s. I'm, I was born in uh, 83. And um, uh, I went to uh, engineering school in Georgia Tech uh, and uh, uh, became aerospace engineer and, you know, wanted to do something uh, interesting and meaningful where, you know, create new, you know, high speed forms of transportation for everyone. You know, very idealistic goal and entered into it, learned a lot, is, is a phenomenal field to be in. But problem is that it's gotten so um, stale, the economy and the, the the aerospace engineering fields as a whole, that it used to be that you can work in the field and maybe help, you know, d- design and develop two or three planes. Then this was back in, you know, 80s and 70s when there was a lot of, uh, you know, defense funds. Nowadays, you could work in the field and not have any planes or any aircrafts delivered. In fact, some of the uh, programs get canceled all the time. And for those of Air Force listeners here, well, one of our one of our most uh, iconic bombers is hundred years old. You know, uh, almost pushing hundred years old. So it, it, you know, it's um, it's 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 an industry that is very safety conscious, but also like it's difficult to kind of spread your wings, so to speak. And you know, I. Came out of college in 2006, worked for um, a defense contractor company that was specializing in um, helicopters and things like that. And it was exciting work. I mean, I slept at at desk. I mean, like my first first <laughs> job out of college, of course, you know, I sleep under the desk, you know, like I got to impress the boss and mistakes I make or many. But I think like the journey is that like as I was working and I had this like in the back of my mind, I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to. I'm going to, you know, design the greatest, you know, fastest, you know, whatever. Right. And it turned out less and less likely that that is the case. Of course, I should have just joined Elon Musk or something (laughs) and SpaceX. (laughs) I didn't know about it then. Uh, But, uh, you know, my my enthusiasm about the field, you know, kind of waned over time. But, you know, it, it was a good work. It was like meaningful engineering work. 
And then I moved to California and I realized, geez, I can't afford anything with my bigger engineering salary in an aerospace field. Um, and this was like, um, I was working for a boutique research firm um, and you, you know, pay was good. I mean, for a single, per, single, single guy, pay was good, but it wasn't like, I, you know, I can afford anything. Um, um, so I looked into it and said, you know what? I know how to write code. I could probably go out into a wider software engineering world. And then, you know, went for, went to work for one of the biggest companies of all, which is Samsung. <laughs> and, uh, the experience there was eye opening. Oh boy. Uh, it's a consumer company. Uh, delivery was tight. Everybody was tightly wound up, very tightly wound up. I had to travel to Korea and India a few times and uh, total chaos. Uh, oh, Sam's a great company, by the way. But yeah, 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 sure. It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I realized, geez, like um, I've done now small boutique uh, and big, huge company. Now I got to do some startups. So, so I left and, uh, you know, worked for some startups and uh, realized, wow, like now I have a breadth of information about like what works and what doesn't work. Why don't I take a crack at it? You know, I have a little bit of savings You know, I'm, I'm still young. And uh, my last job was as a director of engineering where I did, you know, a lot uh, and also helped with, you know, customer support in some cases. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, 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 I said to myself, Hey, I think I have enough energy and wherewithal to try my hand, hand on it. And I w always wanted to work in the uh, crypto field and make a difference because that's the green field. That's like something new is happening. And it was exciting enough that I wanted to try it out. And then the deep uh, undercurrent of um, dissatisfaction from just working at various like huge, big, huge companies. I told myself I would never do that. Like, I, I, there's gotta be a better way. And so it's part of it is like, I'll show them. <laughs> and the other part of it is my passion work. And then, um, I mean, it wasn't, I hate sounding cliche, but it really wasn't about the money because I had some savings, but I emptied out my 401k and I sold a lot of my like assets, my, like, you know, my real estate holdings and all that stuff. You know, I become a lot poorer <laughs> starting up a company and last four and, and running it for the last four years. But that's sort of my 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 short, you know, um journey here. No, thank you for for sharing that. Well, as you're talking, yeah. I had so many questions came to mind. Um, but the first of all, when you were your your first company working for or your first experience working for the defense contractor, mm -hmm. you said you you wanted to build things bigger, better, faster. You had a lot of you came into it with a lot of uh, gusto, a lot of like ambition, That's right. and it it kind of waned at one point. Was there a point where it, it changed, or was it like a slow burn over time? You just kind of lost interest. I think it's slow burn over time, but there was one point where it really hit hit me, and I still remember it. And it was actually from my first job where, you know, con defense contractor that I was working with had a DARPA, big, huge uh, research um, organization and government, right? Mm -hmm. DARPA contract. And there was a meeting where it was 18 hours of meeting. And I, I sat there, I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, am I really making the world a better place by doing PowerPoint stuff here? That was my first job, but th that really got me started. And then, you know, next time I worked with a company that was building flight simulator, I sat through another, like, I don't know, eight hour meeting with an FAA. And so it's like uh, one of those things where what, you know, do I really want to waste my time and other people's money and time like sitting down 
doing PowerPoint presentations. And that that's when it started. I, don't get me wrong. This is a reason why effective presentation saves people so much time. I, I learned to appreciate that quite a bit because people would drone on about stuff like, do most, most people care, right? Like, yeah. anyways, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that's that's sort of like those are the those are the points where I started thinking like seriously about like what do I want to do? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean that that makes sense. I can only imagine. I mean, thank goodness I've never had to been I've never been in an eighteen hour meeting. Um, oh, good. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't imagine being in more than like a four or five hour meeting. So I could just imagine the the stress trying to stay focused for that long. Like, yeah. Um, it's it's not productive and it's not good for anyone. It's just like fillers. A lot of it is fillers. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, people, some people just have to contribute so they feel like they added something. And then other people are, you know, well, like, well, what are you working on? Well, I'll give everyone an update, yeah. even though no one here needs to be aware of this update. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate you giving some love to the presentations too, Jay. Uh, oh. So <laughs> let's juxtapose that with, with uh, or compare that rather with Samsung. What was the difference with working for a defense contractor and working for Samsung? Yeah. So Samsung, um, more specifically, uh, Samsung Smart Things, which is a startup that got acquired by Samsung. Um, so when I started working, it was still just called Smart Things. And so it was a it was um it was a interesting time of transition where Smart Things culture was being kind of demolished from within because it, it just got acquired by Samsung. But to Samsung's credit, they really tried their best to keep the uh uh the culture as is. But it, it's just a just the nature of the beast. Like when big companies acquire small companies, like things change, uh, whether the stated goal is uh, such or not. And uh, Smart Things was great because, you know, we had really talented people, you know, working out of Minnesota um, and engineers were top notch. Like I, I had, you know, some of the best like computer scientists and like, you know, software developers that I was working with. Um, and, you know, in, in, in some sense, like Samsung Electronics, same deal. There are very talented people. Otherwise, they wouldn't be such a big, huge global company, right? Sure. Um, and but the thing is that here is here's an interesting tidbit. There was um there's a data center in uh Samsung headquarters in Suwon, South Korea, which had one guy minding a single server, like with a little chair in front of it. And so that that tells you how like antiquated some of the practices. At the time, I'm sure it changed. Um, so when the two companies merged, there was a lot of like, you know, misunderstanding about like what needs to be done. Samsung has a lot of antiquated processes, which I can't go into detail about. But one of them is like, you know, change notices. You know, the workplace, like comedy movies have always like said, like made a fun of it. But like literally, they you would have to print out something and you would write down all the reasons why you request access to these things, and then you send it over, scan it. You know, it's it's that sort of like funny stuff, like that. You know, Samsung themselves are trying to get rid of, and um, it 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 told me how like organizations grow on its own. It's it's a beast of its own making, and it, unless like management actively tries to like curtail these excesses. The, the organization just grows, um, consumes everything inside. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's got mind of its own. And that's, that's sort of what I learned from Samsung. But overall, people are trying to do something better. Like, for example, it used to be that overworking and just spending hours um, without actually being productive was a thing in South Korea and still is. 
But Samsung, I think they recently tried to curtail that by like just forcing people to go home after after five <laughs> and uh, just telling them, hey, like <clears throat> don't show up to work after five. So that's actually a good thing. Um, but at the same time, like there's a cultural thing where people are still worried about work after work, which is not a healthy thing, right? Yeah. So, you know, I learned a lot about that sort of thing. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, it definitely, you've, you've lived it. So you've <laughs> experienced it firsthand. Um, yeah. And then, so after, like I said, these experiences, you you learned a bit, like you said, you learned uh, what doesn't work, what works, and you were already interested in doing a little bit of trading yourself. You thought, you know what, I can kind of build a better mousetrap here. Let me see if I can start something and, and uh, like you said, merge the best of both worlds to give traders the optimal experience for them. That, that's right. I mean, like I think like the conceit, you know, and I do phrase it as a conceit. The conceit is that, you know what, I bet I can do better. <laughs> and I think that little bit of foolishness is necessary for anything to start. I because agree. like, if no one did think that way, no one would take chances, you know. Uh, so um, if, if I didn't have that little moment of madness, I think, um, you know, I'd be com comfortable. I'd probably get paid more, uh, <laughs> you know, working at a big, huge company somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but dead, possibly, uh, quite possibly, but I, I bet you, so in your, let me ask you this, Jay, I've been dying to ask you this question. Yeah. You start this company and you start building a team and you, you have a strategic plan and you lay it out and what, what has been the biggest unexpected challenge of being a leader and, and growing this growing task and growing this org? So this is a very uncomfortable truth. And I, I know I'll get flack for it, but I'll say it anyways, because I, I think it doesn't get talked about a lot. I, as a leader and how I, like how I feel at the moment impacts other people tremendously, right? We'd all like to think that, you know, I mean, that that's probably not a surprise to you, but it was a surprise to me as a, as a, as a software engineer uh, that, you know, I just have to do a good job, right? Like, what do I, care? you know, what does, what does anyone else care? Like if I do a good job and you know, just minimally friendly, I should be fine. That was my attitude like, as a software engineer. But I think that, you know, the rude awakening was my demeanor, what I do, how I phrase it, all of that matters. And um, it has consequences beyond just like moment. You know, if I'm upset at someone, I can never be upset at someone. <laughs> that's, the, that's like, a, you know, leadership 101. I can never be upset at someone unless it's obvious right and then even then it can't be like you can't criticize people in the public you know try to like get them to get them to like you know resolve the matter privately and people appreciate that i think that was like a collegiality i think is something that i learned over time uh despite like i worked in academic sense and now i'm kind of like learning that lesson again um, because for a long time I was a software engineer and I didn't have to have a lot of collegiality, unfortunately. So apologies to every, my coworkers out there. Listening. <laughs> uh, but, the the second part I think is as, as a, as a leader, you have to take things, all faults are yours. That's a, that's as simple as that. I think the saying was buck stops here. Um, and, uh, it, it definitely does like meaning if, um, if I'm not able to admit that I did wrong, then organization as a whole is not going to improve because people will see through it. They'll see, they'll say, you know what, Jay didn't do this, but he, he doesn't even know what's wrong. You know, he didn't, he doesn't even, he's so full of it. He doesn't know. So like that kind of like self-reflection and being humble, I think 
is a is a must because there was a period of time where you're riding the high or whatever it is, and then you forget yourself, right? Mm-hmm. That's when things turn around. Like the organizations usually crumble from within. Uh, because well, there's no one else from outside like storming the gates, so to speak, right now, right? Yeah. So like <laughs> uh, unlike the days of yore. So that's those are the lessons I learned. And then the last bit is I was always asking myself, why does a public figure, you know, why do public figures out in you know Twitter or whatever always say like most inane, trite, like trivial things? It's not because they're stupid people. It's because they're being very careful what they say. Not only that, they probably have a lot of thoughts. Like, so it's only the iceberg effect, right? Like we're only seeing like the, the most like sanitized version of what they think. And that's sort of like got me into thinking that probably is the same whenever someone's talking, right? So you just have to like give them a benefit of the doubt and say, hey, you know, if the person uh, shows by action uh, the deepness of thought, then you want to give them a benefit of the doubt, even if they're not the most articulate people. I think those are the lessons that I've learned. And the last bit is, uh, sorry, I keep saying last bit, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Just just like not being resentful at the work because, you know, sometimes like entrepreneurs, like they'll put in 12 hours, like 14 hours and they'll say, you know, it's all good. Like, you know, it's all going to be good at the end of the day, but then, you know, they become resentful over time, over the time that they've spent. And it's very toxic. And it it does permeate through sort of the, the interaction with other people. And it's just not a graceful thing to do. And people recognize that. So it it's, it's good to kind of like step aside and say, you know what, things could be worse. You know, I could be, you know, I could be destitute. I could be, you know, um, not healthy or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. just being thankful and then just putting it into perspective. Yeah. Uh, last four years, extremely busy, um, sometimes upset, but it's been really good. Like I, I gotta say, like I wouldn't trade it for anything else. That, yeah. That's fantastic to keep that big picture perspective. Um, Cause the, the nuances of the day to day can get to you like the ups and downs. It's easy to lose sight of like, you know what, actually overall I got it pretty good. But I definitely know what you mean, though. Like uh, when you say employees, when they follow the 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 leader, like when if the leader's not willing to admit fault or to yeah. to to anything like that, to be kind of honest, then yeah. it it kind of you know permeates down, and then the, you know the the top layer and the, the middle layer, like well, then yeah. I'm then I'm nothing's wrong on my end either. Then you know what I mean? That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it doesn't mean that like you know the leader needs to be like obsequious or like always say mea culpa mea culpa all the time but it's important to say hey like i made the decision it was my fault that we didn't do as well or whatever it is and yeah. and don't take it out on you know other people just doing their job you know or giving you good advice or whatever it is um as uncomfortable as it is i'm not the smartest guy here <laughs> i can certainly say that's not true you just got to listen to people um and advice when they when they give it because you know they mean well otherwise they wouldn't even talk to you you know the hard lessons was were were those like just learning to listen and then say how do we get to where we want to be rather than you know arguing that's 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 the key question right yeah do you want to what's that the famous quote like do you want do you want to move forward here or do you want to be right you're right. Like, yeah. You know, do you want to be rich or you'll be right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you want to, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but I will take a quick side note here. Uh, cause yeah. for our listeners out there 
who don't know Jay, I know many people who know Jay and Jay, for you to know the number one word that's associated with you when people talk about you is brilliant. So you say you're not smart, but the the word on the street is that you're brilliant. So we're going to go with that. I'm, I'm really flattered. I, I, uh, I really appreciate it. Whoever is saying it, thank you. Uh, (laughs) but I, you know, I'll just, I'll just stick with, um, I'm reasonable. I think I'm reasonable and pragmatic. I think that's, that's a good. All right. Okay. We'll go with that. And and to your other point, I, I completely agree. I've seen it before um, in, in other companies where I've been coaching an employee and they've said, you know, my, my boss wants this and they want that. And I'll say, did you speak with your boss today? Say, well, no, they looked angry. So I didn't want to go near them. I'm thinking, that is- yeah, that, that's not good. Like, you no. know, if, if you were like, and that's something I'm glad you shared that because yeah, as a leader, it's like, you want to know all the information, like you want to know right. and as soon as possible. Right. So if your demeanor is, you know, inhibiting that, that that's, that's a problem, right? Yeah. It's the old, it's the oldest uh, saying in, in humankind, right? Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> you know, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not the bad guy. It's, it's the, it's the, it's, it's the enemy at the gates. <laughs> That's those are the bad guys. Yeah, I agree. We're on the same team type thing. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So Jay, we'll give you the, the, the last word here. And again, thank you so much for, for coming on. Don't want to take up too much of your time, but yeah. um, if you could go back to a Jay that was, you know, 17, 18 transitioning from, you know, going to college and that, what, what would you tell him? I would say the following. Think about, so, I mean, a lot of people give them, give young people advice, like, you know, don't waste your 20s or whatever. I, I would say experience as much as you can, but not in a frivolous way. Like, you know, don't, don't travel just so you can travel, travel so that you can, you can learn new things. And it's not just about, you know, knowing what food, it's about like how people interact and learning new language and all that stuff. I wish I learned two more languages, to be frank with you. I, th- I think that's one of them. And the second part is, like, I, I think the, the important, like what I would tell 17-year-olds, uh, 17-year-old Jay is specialization is very important, but at some point, if you want to do anything like impactful, like, you know, far-reaching and impacts a lot of people, you have to... You have to know how to share your like share your thoughts and visions and plans with other people. Like like a lot of like software engineers make a mistake of saying, you know what, I just have to be good at what I do, and you know that's it, right? And mm-hmm. in the professional context, that's always the case. You always have a job as a software engineer, um, but any like specialized field, whether it's marketing, sales, software engineering, th- there is an end goal, right? Like you're trying to affect vision, you're trying to change how people perceive things, you're trying to change how people do things. And in order to do that, it's going to take more than you (laughs) to change things. And being very persuasive and being very concise with how you present uh, things, and then knowing like sort of the storytelling mechanism to like convey that feeling and thoughts and plans and aspirations with other people. I I think that's like, that's a, that'll never change. That skill is something that will survive, you know, for for many many millennia more to come. And I I hope that young people would, um, I, I'm not saying just go out and start trying to convince people of you know doing stupid things, but I'm saying like get out there, try to um, 
engage with as many people as possible so that you understand like different aspects of persuasion, like what they care as well as what they care about mm-hmm. and then where people are coming from. So that it gives you a broad perspective of things. And that allows you to like cobble together a team like, like I have, because <laughs> if I started my company 10 years ago, I think it would be very different than had I started a company four years ago. So, uh, you know, like the team composition would be completely different. And really? I think that, yeah, because of the experience, my personal experience and uh, my outlook and just negative view of like, like people in marketing and sales at the time, like long time ago, which is a bad thing to have, like, because you can't sell anything without sales or marketing. And now I have the best relationship with the sales and marketing team. Uh, so I, I think that that I wouldn't have gotten if had I not worked for, you know, Samsung and, you know, all the big companies and startups and like just had like the, you know, the experience of like learning about different crafts and different like origins and, you know, just learning about people's backgrounds, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you shared that because that that ties in in perfectly. It's I, I'm partially in academia as a professor, and then also you know a coach and a trainer. But uh, I see it all the time in in academia, students going through MBA or finance or engineering, and the communication skills, the interpersonal skills, are they're not even not even part of the criteria. They're not even part of yeah. the, the course. And yeah, I mean, it's not just you know, that like, I'm asking people to be like superficially, um, you know, charming because people will, will suss that out very quickly. Yeah, but sure. like, you know, what, what's important is how do you communicate, um, your intent and your desires genuinely without making it sound too forced. Right. I think that's like a, mm. the, the, the big part of the communication that is takes years to master and you know hopefully people would read your uh, effective presenter because it, it helped <laughs> me quite a bit <laughs> last last couple of years uh no i mean i mean i mean it i think it's um it's it's like i said it's like a story as old as man like how do you tell a story that is both true genuine and in a way that's persuasive right and i, I think that's extremely difficult that's extremely important skill no matter where you're in yeah, I know. I, I completely, obviously, I, I'm wholeheartedly agree <laughs> with you. Um, and but I do think that uh, it's a misconception nowadays where people think, like you said, as long as I become extraordinary at code or at marketing or at whatever, then I don't need to worry about how to talk to people or how to present or how to speak because they'll hire me based on my, you know, skill A, like you said, specializing. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, thank you. There's one last bit of story, and then I'll, I'll hold my tongue. Um, it's not about me. It's actually about um, a fellow named David Han. Very smart guy in his uh, high school years. His moniker was uh, uh, Nuclear Scout. And the reason why he was called Nuclear Scout is because during his high school years, you know, the guy was precocious. He did a lot of chemistry experiments at home and then, you know, built his own little shed and lab. He ended up making a subcritical nuclear pile that was so radioactive that the federal government had to get in, in, in invited <laughs> and the shed. And he served jail time because he was just on his own doing it without communicating to a lot of people. And, you know, imagine his life trajectory, how different would it have been if he started getting help, if he started like talking to other nuclear scientists and say, I want to do this a responsible way. I will, I, but I still want to pursue nuclear field, right? Imagine his life trajectory. It would have been so different. And I think it's, you know, 
there, there's a there's a flip side to that coin. There's another nuclear scout who actually did, you know, get his merit badge on nuclear and all that stuff, but did it the responsible way when, you know, you know, and did not build a subcritical nuclear pile, but also <laughs> like very impressive. So it's like the 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 human capital, I think there's a lot of self-sabotaging going on. Mm-hmm. And it can just unlock just by asking for help and just by being more more genuine with your goal and just telling people what's happening. And I think that's the important part. So anyways, <laughs> you know, that was, that was fantastic. Jay, thank you for, uh, for sharing that with us from someone uh, who's achieved such success like yourself in different areas. I speak on behalf of my listeners. We really appreciate it. And uh, on that note, before we wrap up, Jay, uh, if, if folks want to get in touch with you or they want to know what's going on with Tassin or anything like that, where can they go? Is there something they, they can, they follow you on Twitter or, or how's that work? Oh, absolutely. So they can follow me on Twitter, J, J-A-E underscore Tassen, T-A-C-E-N. Um, I say a lot of stupid things on Twitter. So. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Everyone does. Uh, or they, they can go to Tassen's website, mm-hmm. uh, Tassen.com, T-A-C-E-N.com. Uh, and uh, they can learn about what we're building. And uh, I, I'm really uh thank thankful for this opportunity to kind of tell my story yeah absolutely like i said we're we're grateful to 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 have you and please keep us updated with uh the product launch and when it comes out where i'm sure some of the listeners will be dying to to check it out and see how it'll how it'll work for them and their experience of it so we'll definitely have to keep in touch yeah thank you very much All right, Jay. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for coming on. And to our listeners out there, we wish you success in your future endeavors. Hi, this is Ryan. If you're a fan of this podcast, you might also like my book, The Effective Presenter. In my book, I've distilled my years of experience teaching in universities, giving keynotes around the world, and presenting at various institutions into real-life actionable tips that you can use to level up your career and your success. My book is available on Amazon. It's available in Kindle and print formats, also on Audible. It's available everywhere books are sold. Look for the link in the show notes. And if you're interested in connecting with me, it's www.ryanjwarriner.com. That's ryanjwarner.com. Please feel free to get in touch. I'd be happy to chat, happy to reach out, see if we can level up your team, your department, or your organization. Thank you.